Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Tech Travels podcast series. I'm Ian Horn, author of CityWire's weekly Tech Travels column. And this time around, I'm joined by Heather Hopkins, Managing Director and Founder of Next Wealth. And we're going to look at what's next for advice and wealth technology, both in 2021 and beyond. Uh, before any of that, Heather, how are you? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, really well, Ian. How are you? I'm doing well, but I know we're recording this on February the 2nd, which is actually Groundhog Day. Um, seems apt in a lockdown, right? It does. Yeah, when I woke up this morning, I was convinced it was Saturday and I could stay in bed a lot longer. <laughs> It's Sorry, Tuesday, in fact. That's too easy. It's too easily done. Uh, look, what I want to get into today is, is trends in advice and wealth tech and what, what they mean for the market, really. So I, I noticed at your recent event, your Advice Tech Live event in January, you polled your audience and found that 25% of advisors plan to use a new piece of technology within six months. Now, that's interesting to me. Is, is it unprecedented? Um, you know, uh, and what do you think's driven it? So we did poll the audience, um, but we actually... Um, that that point data point is from a survey we did last summer um, with advisors, and it was 365 advisors, and we mm. asked them if they ch ch plan to change their tech in the next six months, either by adding a new tech partner or getting rid of one. And um, and so yeah, a quarter said that they were going to add a new tech partner, and that was up from 10% six months prior. Wow. And so we're really lucky to have that benchmark pre-COVID. So from March of um, 2020, only 10% said that they were planning to add a new tech partner, and I do. I think it is unprecedented. I mean, the change that COVID has brought is basically equivalent to the start of the internet. I mean, before we were sending emails and we were able to interact online, the impact that COVID's had on businesses, I think, is that fundamental, that big of a shift. Hmm. And when I see that 25% number, it seems quite large. Um, do you think that's just because it was people that are attending your event, you know, people that have expressed interest in, in advice tech, or do you think there's more to it than that? Well, so, so actually the, the people at the event um, from the poll, it was a much smaller sample in the poll at the event, it was much lower, but the 25% the was from that survey of 365 advisors. Gotcha. Um, and I say advisors, but it's it's um, uh, employees of advice firms that are members of the PFS. So it's a, it was a really wide sample. Um, a third said that they're currently satisfied with their tech, which was down from over half six months before. Oh. And, and I think that what we saw is that um, is I, and I don't know your experience, but but it's it's hard to find the time to introduce new tech and it's risky. Right. And so if business is OK, then you probably just continue the way that you are and maybe make a few changes around the margins. Um, but COVID forced us to make fundamental shifts in the tech that we're using and experiment with things that were available, but wasn't really worth the risk to try. Um, but we had to try and it went really well. And so, well, if that way, you know, if, if doing a video call works well, then what other tech can I introduce into my business that could improve the proposition I'm offering my clients, improve efficiency, you know, all sorts of, of business drivers. So I think that positive experience that we've had um, of introducing new tech has, has made everybody think, well, what else is possible? Yeah. And is there a particular area of tech that people are looking at? Because one piece of new technology could be anything, right? And you know, certain parts of technology would have held up well during all of this, others won't have held up well. Um, have you noticed a particular trend towards one type of technology that people are looking to replace or improve? So most advisors I talk to are looking at changing their non-financial planning specific tech. Um, so, um, so you know, there's, there's the specific advice tech providers doing back office systems and suitability and all sorts of things. 
Um, but where advisors are looking to use new tech, um, what I'm hearing most is that they're looking to introduce tech that's not specific to our industry. And that can be project management. It can be, um, you know, using Calendly, to, mm -hmm. to which, which we used to set up this meeting today. Indeed we did. <laughs> to, you know, to, to easily find time to meet with people and have the Zoom details sent and all of that. So, um, so that, that's what I'm hearing about in terms of new tech they're introducing. So that actually brings me on to my next question quite neatly, because I know at the event you, you held, there was a, a session on productivity hacks. And I know everyone calls everything a hack these days, and the term is probably a bit overused now. But, you know, there's, there's clearly loads we can do to make our working lives easier. So are there any things you would particularly suggest? I mean, Calendly being, being one example, getting your calendar, you know, better integrated with what you're doing. Are there any other easy things like that that we could build in that will immediately save us time? So I think the the ones that I took away from the event, um, so I, I can't say that I would be able to do a Zapier integration, but I was really impressed that Alistair Walker, um, who spoke at the event, talked about the Zapier integrations that he's built to be able to put a recording of a client meeting into um, SharePoint so that, that they they can archive all of that for compliance reasons. Um, there's, um, you know, we use Otter at NextWealth and it's not only a good way to transcribe um, meetings, but um, it also is good for a laugh because it's so, um, appalling some of the mistakes that are made yeah. in the transcription um, so, so it's good for comedy as well um, but, but it does it saves a huge amount of time um, and then uh, we had Ella Davies from Lyft Financial talking about the way that they're using Intelliflow's workflow management and task management um, to be able to track who in the firm should be working on a particular um, uh, activity for a client and I think this is really important as advisors continue to professionalize their businesses if they're thinking about who in the business is the right person to be doing this task it's so easy to say oh just take me two minutes to do this it's not worth giving it to somebody else yeah. but if you're charging the client a different fee depending on who's doing that activity then that can add up to a significant amount for that client and so um you know using the time tracking and and task management features that are available within back office systems or other systems um i think is a really good Productivity hack for you know for a business perspective for MI, but also from a client perspective to be able to really be transparent about what service you're offering that client. Yeah, I find that really interesting as well because when we think about tech, you often think about the robots taking over, right? It's always robo advice versus formal kind of human advice. But it, it, it's interesting if you can actually use tech to to get more out of people management and, and people's time. I think that's always overlooked. Um, I want to look at financial services more broadly now. Um, obviously, as we've discussed, the pandemics made people think about technology and video conferencing is the obvious example. So I don't want to dwell on that. I mean, everyone kind of knows all the many video conferencing tools that are available. But are you seeing any other fundamental changes in how people are operating? You know, has the, has the, the business model for, for wealth and advice firms changed markedly beyond video conferencing? So I think um, one, one of the big changes we've seen is in the client portal, not use of the client portal. So I was really surprised actually that the um, adoption of client portals only increased um, 4% um, from March to, um, to September um, in that survey we did with advisors. Um, and I thought the adoption would be much faster than that. But what we did find was that the scores advisors gave their client portal for value for money increased. And you know it was a nice to have before, and it's now an essential part of the advisor's business to be able to do secure messaging, to do document sharing, um, and to deliver that modern 
experience that you want to deliver to a client um, rather than you know paper forms or even email. Um, so that's that's a big change that that we've seen in terms of of the tech. The other big change I think is in terms of advisors thinking about or advisor business owners thinking about what what's the right mix of staff in the business. And in the past, I think there was a big focus on how do we bring in more advisors um, to be able to service more clients. And now it's thinking about how do we change the mix of staff within the business. And that's not a specific technology change, but it's partly sort of an indirect consequence of the tech that they've brought in and the reality within which they operate. Because the truth is, advisors have very little control over the client experience. Mm -hmm. um, Jenny um, Ellis from Wellington Wealth at our event said that they have to deal with over 40 different systems. And she did a piece in CityWire, New Model Advisor, mm -hmm. talking about this. I mean, you, you just, you can't control that. And you don't want advisors dealing with all of that. Um, so thinking about how you how you manage the team within the business and the resources you have is another big change, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I find that really interesting that someone's using so many different tools. Um, and I think the tech stack is quite interesting. I mean, how can people make sure they they don't overcomplicate things? I mean, is it actually possible not to overcomplicate things? So, um, so the forty-two different systems is not the advisor's choice. It's that you know you've got Aviva's got a few systems that the firm needs to use. Phoenix have a few systems. Standard Life have a few systems, and and you can't always control this because you have a client come to you and they have business. You know, they have a they have a pension with with some old workplace savings provider, and sometimes it's the right decision to transfer that, but it isn't always. And so you end up having to use all of these different systems, not because you've chosen to set up your business that way, but just because that's the reality. Of the of the industry within which we work, and um, so so I, I don't think advisors have tried to overcomplicate that. Um, if anything, I think advisors have been quite reluctant to take on new pieces of tech because um, because they don't help them solve those challenges. And and that's the you know the focus of our event last week was not what new tech can you bring in that's going to solve yeah. all of this for you. It was right you've already got a pretty good tech stack. How can you make better use of what you've already got? Um, and I think that's another big change we've seen over the last six months is people thinking, right, now I can I can take the time to take a step back and think, how do I get more out of what I've already got? Yeah, it, it makes me think as well, the amount of technology that's out there and, and using it properly. I mean, I, I wrote a piece at the start, well, the end of last year, uh, and I know how much research you, you've done on this market. So I, I'm putting my neck on the line a bit here. Um, a, a kind of idea I had that I wrote about was the idea that, Every firm, if they could afford one, would do well to hire, you know, a chief technology officer or someone in that sort of role. You know, would you would you generally agree with that idea? I'm not saying everyone should hire one, but I think it's a worthy consideration. Is that, am, I, am I on the right tracks? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. I remember reading that piece, and I think you're spot on. And it's um, and it's just a, a CTO or a COO, and it's it's because advisors are also having to deal with um, in, you know, an increase in cybersecurity attacks and, and their clients are facing that. And um, so the threat to their business and to their clients is, is huge, increasing every day. Um, so, so no, I think you're absolutely spot on. And, and I think that's one of the challenges that we have, you know, it's what is it, 89% of advice firms have five advisors or fewer, right? Well-known stat that's often quoted. Um, but, but when you're dealing with, when you're running a small business, you can't have a CTO you can't have a COO necessarily um, but I think people are rethinking that and thinking about you know other board appointments that we can make for our business that can help address that are there are there other options where we can have somebody on a part-time basis shared resource across a number of firms that can help um, so I think there's really interesting changes happening and you're absolutely spot on on that 
Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm actually really relieved to hear that. It's always always nice. It's something as a hunch, but it's good to good to have that confirmed by someone that researches the area. Uh, you know, very you know in depth. So another question, which also looks at changing models for advice um, and wealth to some extent, um, is we've had technology developments to make things more accessible, right? And um, sure, we can make things more bespoke, but there's an opportunity, I, I suppose, to make advice cheaper, more automated, uh, probably more basic. Um, do you think it's realistic that in the next five years that investment advice and financial planning might actually be accessible to the mass market? So, so I, I hope it will be because I think the benefits that can come from a personalized financial plan are enormous and, and can't be underestimated. I, I don't think that that will be financial advisors as we know them today offering that service. I mean, the reality is we have what 20,000 financial advisors. They're serving a relatively small proportion of the population. And if, if I were running one of those businesses, I would want to get deeper with my <clears throat> deeper with my clients and offer a more bespoke personalized service and I would want to use technology to support that and I think that's different from the mass market and there, there will be some firms who decide that they they want to do the mass market proposition and yeah. you know and great that absolutely I think there's a definite need there that will be a um a more of a one-off advice I mean, the ABI did some research recently where they talked about the demand for one-off advice we've seen that too and that's absolutely the case but the regulatory framework within which financial advice businesses operate doesn't really allow them to offer that service to the mass market without taking on huge amounts of risk and so there's a role for you know product providers who have employed advice um, arms to be able to service that part of the population because they would have the you know the, the, the capital backing to be able to take that risk on as a business so I think I think that's a slightly different proposition and there's room for for all, and we've seen news this week about Hargreaves um, having an, a huge increase in um, in revenue off the back of active traders who are mm -hmm. younger. We've seen GameStop in the U.S. and silver prices moving this week, and all down to these sort of legions of traders. That's a different market than financial advisors are serving, where people are looking mm -hmm. for a long-term plan to deliver you know on their financial goals which could be a sustainable income and retirement could be helping their kids to you know buy a house it could be all sorts of things and that that's different so i, I definitely see um demand for advice from the mass market but i but i think that's a different proposition from what most of the advisors i'm talking to are offering to their clients gotcha and um you know looking at um you know your research efforts uh, you know going back to the advice market um and the wealth market to some extent again um, what would your advice be to technology providers at the moment? Because you, you've kind of outlined a few issues already, one being the kind of absolute plethora of solutions and the amount that people might have to use. Um, also, people maybe not having time to, to integrate new things or having time to, to work with new technologies. So what's your advice to providers if they're to meet the needs of advisors and wealth managers? So I think the most important thing is to listen to their customers and their customers are the financial, um, financial advice businesses. Um, and I, I don't think that that's been done enough. And I think it's quite difficult because um, the market is so fragmented with so many small businesses, it's hard for them to get their voices heard um, at, at, from the, the tech companies. Um, I mean, in, 
with back office systems, our view is that is that there's 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 something broken in that market because we see the satisfaction scores continue to decrease for um, for the leading players, in particular um, Intelliflow, Intelligent Office. Um, the satisfaction of their users is decreasing while their share of the market is increasing, and and that that suggests a lack of competition and a market that's not functioning properly, um, because you you shouldn't see that. Um, so so you know listening to customers. And, and making it easier and more intuitive to work. Some of these systems are incredibly powerful, but it's not easy. You know, as you were talking about earlier, the need to bring in a CTO or a COO, most people working in financial advice businesses don't have those qualifications and those credentials to be able to, to really make the most of those systems. So making them easier and more user-friendly um, is, is really important um, and it's gonna mm -hmm. require a massive step change. And I, and I hope to see it because the frustration is palpable among <laughs> a lot of financial advisors and people in financial advice businesses. Yeah, do you think there's possibly a difficulty there in that you know, financial advisors are a pretty broad church. You've got some that are really tech savvy and really know and want to push forward their tech proposition, right? And you've got others that possibly would gladly do everything on paper if they still could. Um, I, I think that's the minority now, but they no doubt exist. Um, is, is that a problem in itself in that unless the market starts asking for this stuff, it might not really happen? So, so yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, with so in Teleflow, 21% said excellent on value for money and 17% said um, said poor or um, so it was very poor or poor um, and and you know and we see that that kind of dispersion in scores in reviews for intelligent office so there's some about a fifth that say love it it's great and about a fifth who are negative and there's there's a real disparity and it's about how much you're investing in that system as well so 100 percent um it is a broad charge and it's difficult to meet the needs of most people i think that a lot of these systems were set up when um, pre-RDR, um, and you know, we've seen the platforms go through a massive change to be able to support financial planning. Um, you know, what is the tech solution post-product sale? Um, it used to be the tech was built around the product sale, and a lot of the back office systems were built around supporting that product sale, and 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 have you know they're still modernizing to evolve to a new a new way of working, um, and it's a difficult change to make. Um, but but it you know it has to be made. They have to be supporting goals based planning. They have to support financial planning, not advising on products, which too much of the tech at the moment is mm -hmm. is focused on. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to the last broad question that I've got for you. It's a, one of them horrible questions. It's kind of three questions wrapped up in one. So I hope I hope you can follow. But um, basically, looking to the future, you know, I want to know what key trends in tech developments are going to reshape advice and wealth. You know, and do you think it will happen fast? Because as much as we know, some advisors and some wealth managers are, are slower to adopt tech than others. Providers are also aren't necessarily doing their bit too. And we've seen e-signatures only became commonplace last year, which is that's pretty slow, right? So should we be hesitant to expect major change once things are back to normal? Or do you think the message has gotten through? You know, if we have that kind of boot up the backside to let us know that things need to be different now? So, so I'm really irritatingly optimistic, right? It drives people <laughs> crazy, especially my family. So, so yeah, I'm hugely optimistic about the digital transformation we're going to continue to see in businesses. E-signatures was one that was, it was a massive, massive shift, really rapid. We looked at this in May um, and then again in October and the change in the way that platforms accepted business, just, it was unrecognizable. 
um, over that six month period and it continued to change. And so a lot of people thought, well, that's just driven by COVID because there's nothing like a crisis to mobilize change. But actually we're seeing that the focus on digital transformation is continuing both within advice businesses and from platforms and advice tech providers. So I'm really optimistic actually that's gonna, that agenda will continue. Um, I think one of the really exciting um, changes that I'm looking for that we've not really seen yet is, um, is, a, is combining the planning and cash flow modeling withdrawal strategy with product and at the moment those sit very separate that you you have your investment and advice business has their investment proposition managed mm -hmm. by the investment committee um you know they might use the dfm they might use zoom model proposals building within the firm um but that's not necessarily linked in directly with the the planning software and the within a particular withdrawal strategy so if you have a client who's receiving income on a regular basis you can do all of the planning within your, um, you know, your modeling tools to be able to figure out what that withdrawal strategy should be. Um, but then it's managed separately from an investment point of view. And what I hope to see is that we'll see more integration. Um, you know, there's this, this, this rise of turnkey asset management provided in the US. There was some funding from Sequoia for one recently, which was really exciting because that's a, you know, typically a tech business, not fintech even, but you know, mm -hmm. they back tech businesses. Um, and they, they back this firm in the US that's doing turnkey asset management. Um, that combining those bespoke portfolios that are integrated into the financial plan and specifically withdrawal strategy for retirees. So that's that's an exciting development. I think another one is around personalization and behavioral, understanding behavioral biases. And that's, a, that's another area that I think is ripe for using data analytics to figure out how do we nudge people to make the decisions that they should be making for their, themselves and that they want to make. Um, and we've not really used um, in investing um, data to nudge people in the right direction outside of workplace pensions, of course, or sort of passively put people into, into pensions. I think there's some opportunity there as well. Yeah, I, I, we could probably discuss that for at length as well, but I'm afraid we're out of time. But thank you for uh, for finishing on some optimism. That's always nice, always appreciated. Uh, and thanks for joining me on the Tech Travels podcast, Heather. Really great to have you, have you here. Um, uh, thank you also to everyone who's listened in. And, and do join me for episode three, where I'll be talking to Gavin Francis, who's Managing Director at Worthstone, we're going to be talking about positive impact investing, ESG and sustainability, and how tech is finally making it easier to do these things effectively. Mm -hmm.